five years and the Burmese coup later, the Rohingya refugees remain in limbo. And virtually everyone we heard from within the camp among the Rohingya, they, they want to return to their country. They want to go back to their home. Hello, and welcome to the USERV Spotlight Podcast, a podcast series by the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom, where we take a deep dive into religious freedom conditions around the world, breaking the situation down for you. Each episode, we focus on a different country, region, or topic. Not only do we analyze and explain the religious freedom situation to our listeners, but we also make policy recommendations to the United States government in order to address the immense challenges we bring to light here. Welcome to USERF Spotlight. I'm Elizabeth Cassidy, Director of Research and Policy at the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom. Today, we're going to discuss USERF's recent visit to Cox's Bazar in Bangladesh to assess the current conditions and issues that Rohingya refugees from Burma face there. The Rohingya community, a predominantly Muslim ethnic minority from Burma, have long fled religious persecution to neighboring Bangladesh, with upticks in their displacement following waves of violence. The most recent wave came in August 2017, following wide-scale atrocities committed by Burmese authorities and military known as the Tatmadaw. These atrocities caused over a million Rohingya to flee the country, with a majority now temporarily residing in Cox's Bazar in Bangladesh. In March of 2022, the Biden administration designated these atrocities as genocide, an action that USERF had been calling for in the previous five years. A few weeks ago, Commissioner Stephen Schneck led a USERF delegation to visit the camps in Cox's Bazar, as well as to visit Dhaka, where they met with refugees, international organization officials, and members of the government of Bangladesh. We're fortunate to have Commissioner Schneck here today to discuss this recent trip and to share about the current conditions facing Rohingya refugees, as well as any insight he gained from related meetings in Bangladesh. Welcome, Commissioner Schneck. Thank you, Elizabeth. It's uh, an honor and a pleasure to be here this morning. Let's start with your reasons for visiting Bangladesh and the Rohingya camps in Cox's Bazar. Why is Yusuf specifically concerned with the conditions of this community of refugees from Burma? You know, maybe the first thing to note here is that Yusuf has been reporting on the conditions uh, regarding religious freedom and freedom of belief in Burma since really since our first report in 2000. Burma's conditions uh, for freedom of religion or freedom of belief have been well, frankly, dire for decades. Uh, the Rohingya, who the Burmese authorities singled out, in part for their religious identity, have been a, a central focus of our reporting. Since the majority of the Rohingya are refugees because of their religious identity, at least in part, uh, USERF considers their plight um, a religious freedom issue. And we've long reported on the condition in these camps and have visited several times previously. On this particular trip, we had the opportunity to reassess and to receive updates on the conditions of those camps, since the U.S. government is the single largest donor to the refugee camps in Bangladesh. Um, we feel it is extremely important to make sure that we're targeting our humanitarian aid effectively uh, there. Thank you for that background. It's very important to not forget refugees whose paths forward seem bleak, especially since this is considered the world's largest refugee camp. 
Can you tell us a little bit more about who you were able to meet with on the ground in Bangladesh? Yes, um, we were able to meet with uh, three different groups. Um, uh, we started with a, a small uh, a Hindu group of Rohingya in the camp, uh, had, a, had a, a very nice meeting with them. And then um, a, a, a tough meeting, frankly, with a, with a much smaller Christian group that has been isolated within the camp for um, a number of a, a number of years, really, and then and then we met as well with a council of imams uh, representing, the, of course, the largest uh, majority population uh, within the camps. Beyond the refugees themselves, we also met um, with um, the office of the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees (UNHCR) and with uh, the International Organization for Migration, and both of those two, two groups. Um, have some responsibility for for uh, providing um, managerial assistance um, to the relief efforts in the camps. On the Bangladeshi side, uh, we met with the commissioner, the it's triple RC we call, it's called. We met with the commissioner for refugee relief and repatriation. Uh, uh, this is um, uh, the organization that uh, the Bangladesh government has created uh, to uh, oversee the um, situation in the camps, um, including security and so forth. Uh, this agency under the Ministry of is under the Ministry of Disaster Management and Relief, and it's responsible for providing the Rohingya in Bangladesh in these camps, providing uh, uh, for their uh, circumstances as well as planning for their eventual uh, repatriation. And um, I would say we had a, a lovely meeting with uh, it's you know the top commissioner there for the RRC, and he stressed the need for local authorities to bear in mind that the Rohingya simply through the experiences that have made them refuse, refugees deserve particular sensitivities when it comes to law enforcement and engagement. And uh, that message was re reassuring to hear uh, given the situation in the camps. That is that is reassuring. Um, while you were there, were you also able to meet with members of civil society or international organizations um, not under the UN umbrella who are working on Rohingya issues? Yeah, while we were there, we were able to meet uh, virtually with uh, uh, a, a number of uh, of groups. However, you know, one of the problems that's occurring in Bangladesh is a sort of um, a hollowing out of the space for civil society within Bangladesh itself. And so um, the number of groups that are are operating that, um, you know, might be able to, uh, you know, to um, have their efforts bear on the Rohingya situation is is rapidly shrinking. And that's a concern to us overall. And for those working on Rohingya issues, in addition to that, closing of the space for civil society within Bangladesh, the attitudes of both government and the Bangladeshi public are strongly against the presence of the Rohingya. And um, uh, that's starting to have consequences, I think, for uh, you know, the future of these camps that, that the world needs to bear in mind. We came across numerous reports of increasingly anti-Rohingya rhetoric uh, within um, Bangladeshi society generally and, and, and also coming from government sources. 
I should say uh, Bangladesh is um, due for elections next year and uh, ahead of those, those elections, it looks like the Rohingya issue has kind of become a, a punching bag for, um, for all political parties. And so it's something we need to be very much concerned with this growing antipathy um, uh, toward the Rohingya. It's, it's certainly right now hindering the United international community's ability to, to provide for the refugees, but I think it also portends even more serious problems perhaps down, down the road. Thanks, that's disheartening to hear. Can you talk a little more about the attitudes you're referring to specifically? Well, the attitudes specifically, um, uh, as you mentioned in your opening, Elizabeth, the Rohingya have been fleeing to Bangladesh actually for decades. And the Rohingya language is similar to Chittagonian, which is the, the language that many Bangladeshis speak uh, in this part of Bangladesh. And that uh, cultural similarity um, is, uh, is also due, of course, to the geographical uh, proximity. The Rakhine State is just south of Cox's Bazar, Rakhine State, which is part of um, uh, Burma, is just south of Cox's Bazar. And that's why uh, over a million refugees are living in these huts of bamboo and, and tarpaulins. Um, with the most recent escalation of displacement in 2017 prompted by Burma's frankly, genocidal actions. The Bangladeshi government and the people open their arms to these refugees. In fact, um, you know, there's a, there's a great picture of the prime minister of Bangladesh, you know, greeting the refugees uh, as some of them arrived. And this shouldn't be forgotten. The, the, that Bangladesh government uh, and the Bangladeshi people, you know, um, really deserve the world's praise and, and gratitude for you know, what they did in saving the Rohingya from genocide. And the, the Rohingya, of course, are aware of this and they're very grateful to, the, to Bangladesh and the Bangladeshis. But um, five years and the Burmese coup later, the Rohingya refugees remain in limbo. These are stateless people in a sense, denied citizenship within their own country and denied citizenship or even a way to citizenship um, within uh, Bangladesh. So they are, are stateless, homeless. And virtually everyone we heard from within the camp um, among the Rohingya, they, they want to return to their country. They want to go back to their home in, in Burma um, where they can be part of a normal society. Um, the Bangladeshi government, uh, however, does not want to provide any more assistance currently than what they deem absolutely necessary for humanitarian purposes. They view this situation as a temporary problem. Uh, so there are legal barriers to using something as fundamental as, well, as pouring concrete in the camp. Uh, they're not allowed to have money. They're not allowed to have cell phones. They're not allowed uh, training in, in uh, jobs that might compete with um, Bangladeshis. They're not even allowed education uh, for their children in the normal way that we think about it. They've set up kind of their own you know, private uh, system of education, but nothing that, the, you know, nothing that the Bangladesh government supports. 
so it's uh, it's 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 becoming uh, an awful situation. I should say, um, even in regards to aid, the Bangladeshi government only allows aid through humanitarian funds because other sources of aid, such as development aid, would, in the way that they think about it, um, you know, be uh, paving a way for the Rohingya to become permanent um, residents within Bangladesh. And that's something that the government very much opposes. Thank you. On the on the point that the overwhelming majority of, of the refugees, even even those from minority religious communities, would prefer to return home as citizens of Burma, can you talk a little bit about what the UN, um, the U.S. government, and the Bangladeshi government are doing to prepare the population for eventual return? Uh, yes, I can uh, offer a little bit here, and and, um, and let me begin by saying that this overwhelming desire to return to Burma, I think is a reassuring sign. Uh, the international community, the Bangladeshi government and people and the Rohingya themselves are all on the same page about that. That is the, the future, um, uh, the solution to this situation is for the Rohingya people to return as, as normal, regular, equal citizens, uh, you know, within, back to their homes in Burma. Um, but the, div, the, the, the issues, uh, the key questions of how, when, and under what conditions such uh, return might be possible remain very sticking. The Bangladeshi government in coordination with the, I, what I found to be very competent and extremely compassionate and professional United Nations staff, um, the, the government and the and the UN staff are committed to providing the Rohingya children and with a, a Burmese curriculum in schools so that the Rohingya children will be able to communicate with their peers from other ethnicities and religions when they finally uh, get back to Burma. However, I should note here, they, they are opposed to um, the Rohingya learning Bengali, the national language of, of Bangladesh. Uh, uh, so the education is, in a sense, also designed to make sure that they don't integrate into um, Bangladeshi society. Uh, I should add a couple of other points. The government has also begun to make steps uh, toward allowing for livelihood and skills training for youth and adults to gain skills necessary for their eventual reintegration. But that skills training, like language, is all designed for jobs, the kind of work that they might do in Burma, not the kind of work that they might do in, in Bangladesh. Um, in fact, the Rohingya are barred from legally participating in the local economy uh, of, of Bangladesh, legally um, prohibited from um, uh, taking jobs uh, in, in the area around the camps. Some find ways to do that, but it's, it's, it's legally uh, denied them. Um, and as I mentioned, the government of Bangladesh is, is, is I, I guess, realizing the situation has only really now uh, begun to permit uh, uh, the, the, you know, the minimum education and the minimum skills training of, of the sort that I've just described. So uh, this is something I think that everybody um, that we talk to from the UN agencies and, and even uh, the most candid discussions we had with top people in the, in the Bangladesh government all agree on um, 
that is um, to prioritize um, uh, the training of children and uh, getting the skills uh, 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 to adults. And so, uh, you know, we're very hopeful, I guess, uh, based on our visit that some of that might, uh, might begin to occur. Thank you. As, as, you, as you've said, um, uh, the Rohingya refugees would like to go back, but as you also said, it's been, um, it has been five years already since the 2017 displacement. Um, can you expand for our listeners a little bit about the, what the main barriers to repatriation are um, for the um, Rohingya refugees in Cox's Bazar? Well, of course, the, the, the first obstacle, the, the, the major um, a problem is the, is the coup and the, um, the genocidal tyranny of the Tatmadaw in, in Burma. Um, we heard over and over again that the 2021 coup pulled the rug out from under, uh, under all efforts to repatriate these uh, refugees. Um, the Tatmadaw are per perpetrators of the worst kinds of violence against the Rohingya. Um, and, uh, you know, so I, I, the first obstacle is, is in fact that these people literally cannot safely go back to their own country because of the, um, the, 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 the threats and in fact, the reality of, of the ongoing persecution of the Rohingya by the, the Tatmadaw. I should say, though, as well, that the, this military um, junta in Bangladesh is not just targeting uh, the Rohingya. In, in fact, other ethnic and religious groups are targeted as well. As part of our delegation to Southeast Asia, we also visited um, Malaysia, where we met with um, representatives of the Zomi people and and other mostly Christian communities from Burma, from Chin State and Kachin State and Kareni and so forth within Burma, and um, you know these groups are also being tar targeted. So it's 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 not just the Rohingya, but the Rohingya are seem to be a particularly um, focused target of the. Uh, Tatmadaw. So that's the, you know, the first major obstacle. They can't go back because the government in, in Burma doesn't want them back and would target them for persecution if in fact that they, they did go back. The second obstacle, however, is the, uh, it was related to the ongoing conflict um, within, um, uh, within Burma. Uh, the the Tatmadaw is being challenged within the country by the Arakan army, as well as by um, other um, emerging um, military uh, groups. The Arakan army, though, is, a, is an obstacle in its own right to the return of the Rohingya. The, this is an ethno-religious group in Rakhine state that has also uh, targeted the Rohingya. They're not allied with the, the, with the Tatmadaw. In fact, they're, they're opposing them. Um, but at the same time, this group too is, at least has not so far shown any sign of being willing to welcome the return of the Rohingya and back to their, to their homes. And the third um, obstacle that I identify is the uh, national unity government. This is the government in opposition that's been formed um, uh, 
with hopes to replace the, um, the junta in charge now. While it has made public apologies for enabling the discrimination against um, the Rohingya, the, the uh, National Unity Government or NUG has yet to really commit to um, any plan for refranchising the Rohingya in a post-coup Burma. In other words, it has no clear plan for reintegration, um, nor for justice and recognition of this um, persecuted and shattered community uh, of people. So all of these factors, um, uh, you know, kind of point to one one uh, sad conclusion. That is, it would be horribly uh, unsafe for the Rohingya to re attempt to return to Rohingya under the under the current circumstances or uh, any conditions, any circumstances that you know might uh, might develop in the near future. So it's uh, it's it's just utterly clear that. Uh, until there's dramatic uh, transformation within Burma itself, the Rohingya are stuck as stateless, homeless uh, people. Such a difficult situation, and 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 making it um, making it all the more important to continue the conversation about the humanitarian and 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 um, training aid that that you were talk you were talking about. So there's so much more we could cover, um, but given um, uh, given time limitations, I want to ask one more question. Um, for those most vulnerable within the camps, how can the United States government assist the international community, especially those in the Bangladeshi government, to support um, Rohingya refugees? Yeah, that's. Uh, I think that's the big question, given the realities on the ground that I just described. The United States and its international partners really need to be creative to find uh, ways to, um, you know, to to fund these camps, to fund the efforts that are ongoing in these camps. And this is, um, you know, due to the um, emerging um, humanitarian crises all over the world where uh, funds are called uh, for Ukraine, for uh, Sudan, for, it's, it's, a, it's a very challenging uh, environment for humanitarian aid right now. Funds are stretched extremely um, thin, and you know, I I worry that amidst all of this, the terrible plight of the Rohingya is uh, being forgotten or um, or minimized in in uh, you know the decisions of international and and national uh, aid agencies. So I would say that the United States government must step up to actively engage with our partners um, in the Bangladeshi government uh, to encourage resettlement. Um, when I say resettlement, I mean that um, the United States and partner countries in the international community can help to ease the burden on Bangladesh by uh, taking some of these Rohingya refugees uh, into our own countries. The Bangladeshi people and government uh, are currently shouldering an immense burden, and that burden is increasing each each year. As uh, you know, by some estimates, more than more than thirty thousand Rohingya children are born every year in these camps. So, uh, I would highly encourage uh, the United States government to um, to open uh, 
and increase its effort to resettle some of the most vulnerable Rohingya. The administration could also work with partners in the international community um, you know, to resettle uh, some of the Rohingya uh, elsewhere uh, around the world. Some Bangladeshis, uh, however, have, um, and we heard this even from top levels, uh, you know, within the Bangladesh government, uh, a concern that resettlement would would be so attractive um, among the Rohingya still within Burma that it might encourage more um, uh, of the Rohingya to to cross the the border. Uh, and 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 come to Bangladesh and even in, in greater numbers. As, and I understand that, but in fact, as we heard within the camps, the overwhelming desire um, among the Rohingya that we talked to is that they want to return uh, to Burma. They want to um, they want to go back to their homes. They re they really are not looking uh, for long term third country um, resettlement. And so I, I, I think there's a bit of misplaced concern on the part of the Bangladeshi governments about, about uh, the possibility of resettlement of some of these refugees in countries around the world. Uh, as I say, though, this is just a, a horrible, horrible situation on the ground. And, and ultimately, the only solution uh, has to be the uh, ending the genocide within Burma itself, um, ending the uh, um, um you know, tyranny within the country, and uh, providing uh, a situation, a country, a situation within Burma, in which the Rohingya can, in fact, return safely. With that very important point, we'll have to leave it right there for today. I want to thank Commissioner Schneck for joining us today and sharing his insights and expertise from this trip. You can find USERF's work on Burma on our website at www.usurf.gov. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time on USERF Spotlight. <laughs>